This is Damien Petty from IATSE Local 212 in Calgary. We're proud sponsors of this season's Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. We service projects with budgets from $100,000 to $100 million. To that end, we would like to use this opportunity to shout out to a really cool micro-budget film we are currently supporting, Circle of Steel, directed by Gillian McKercher. They are in the midst of their 14-day production process, and we want to wish the entire team an awesome shoot. To learn more about us, please check out our website, iatsi212.com, or like and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. How are you? I'm good. I'm Matt Waterworth, and you are Scott Westby. Sweet. That is super sweet. <laughs> we feel it. This feels rusty. We've been doing this for a while now. Uh, Episode three. We're good. We're good. We are. Uh, we are a small part of now Full Swing Productions, uh, and every week. That's right. That's a good point. We bring you the listener news, tips, and interviews in the film, video, and digital media industries of Alberta. So listen. We've started the first week of the newest season of the Fantasy Movie League. That's right, yeah. And I don't want to boast, Matt, but I got the perfect Cineplex. Did you really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yes. I, I actually did check my scores last night, but of course, nothing's final just yet. Um, we're recording this on Monday morning, which is unusual. Right. But uh, yeah, I, I'm not doing well again. Well, you know what my secret is? Hmm. Um, I just guessed. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Um, so I was just like, I think Thor. Is oh, gonna okay, do okay. is gonna do well, and yeah. then so I picked Thor, and then that and then it did. So huh, well, yeah, I mean, story. It, it was an interesting week. I mean, not to go too deep into it, but like, you know, I think we all know that Disaster Artists is going to be good. Is going to totally. do do well. It's got a huge cast, um, but it's only in like nineteen screens, so it's hard to bet on a movie that you know can't make a lot of money if it's in only a few screens. And it's a weird time because it's. Um, Award season, so so a bunch of movies are coming right. out and only hitting five yeah. screens or ten screens or something like that. So, um, but I know that I, I think something we don't ever talk about is the per screen average. If you can pick the movie that does the best per screen, right. you get a bonus. You get a bonus. I, I forget. Yeah, it's I, like two million. I, I, I two million. Yeah, per yeah. per time you put it on, and you get a little star next to it. And the reason it was disaster artist, or again, not final yet, but is because it it did so well on so few screens. So right. that is uh, always something to be aware of. So here's this is going to be probably the uh, the fastest correction that we've ever done. Oh yeah, because <laughs> uh, I just checked to double check that I got the perfect okay, okay. and I did not. It's changed. Damn it, <laughs> it has changed. Um, Coco is the winner of the weekend, uh, which actually puts me in third. Did you? So what do you need? Two Cocos? No, you need one, but then you fill the rest with Thor. So more oh, like a lot of so cinematically, Jay and Inception actually placed first and second. Inception. Um, Inception Cineplex. Yeah. Oh oh yeah, the, yeah. yeah. Sorry yeah. Someone in the group. Yeah, yeah. in the group. So congrats to those uh, fellows. Um, yeah, I'm still in 17th. Yeah, so I guess guessing is really start. the <laughs> the best strategy. Uh, anyway, let's move on to, to yes. other stuff. Uh, but yeah, thanks for joining us uh, on that, and hopefully uh, there's still time to join uh, if you'd like to. You could still win. You it's still, still win. Oh, totally. Yeah, you yeah. can come back after a week like that for sure. Uh, so Fava in Edmonton uh, is accepting cash donations for uh, a not-for-profit called iHuman. 
Um, and iHuman is a uh, is an organization that develops and implements arts-based programming that functions as a positive engagement tool. Uh, they seek to reintegrate youth into the community by developing skills, self-esteem, and a sense of worth and ability through mentorship, crisis intervention, and targeted programming. Uh, and they serve 500 youth in Edmonton who are aged between 12 and 24. That seems like a pretty worthy cause. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Yeah, so FAB is accepting cash donations uh, in their offices. Um between now and uh, the end of the weekend, uh, December 8th. So, uh, yeah, if it's a cause that seems uh, worth a couple of bucks, uh, pop on over, say hi to the Fava folks, and uh, throw a couple bucks their way. I'm sure it'd be much appreciated. Nice. So, Scott, we talk about the telephone micro-budget program a lot because, yes, of, of course. course, we're recipients of it. Um, but that program is changing in many ways, uh, or at least in some ways, uh, certainly uh, in name, for totally. sure. Yeah. Um, what is it now called? It is the now called the Talent to Watch Talent program. Talent to Watch program, right. Um, so, yeah, I think we'll accidentally call it the micro-budget program a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but the new name is Talent to Watch. And I got to say, I am... I. I am absolutely thrilled at the changes yeah, to this exciting. program. Yeah. yeah, I mean, how many? I, I don't know. How, are your eighteen projects went? Yeah, through? eighteen projects went. I would say maybe up to twenty go. Um, yeah, in a year usually. So the micro budget program for those who who are new to this stuff, uh, it's been around for about five years, and it's uh, Telefilm, which is the national film body. It's their it's their way of getting first time feature filmmakers uh, some money to make their first feature film. So your your budget can be up to two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And they give you about half that amount. Um, and you can't have produced, written, or directed uh, a feature film before. Um, and the way that it works is you apply through kind of a partner organization. So in our case, we apply through the Calgary Society of Independent Filmmakers. FAVA is also one. Um, and they make one recommendation to Telefilm. So there's about, I think, like there were 30... 88, 38, yeah, yeah 38 yeah. Uh, in our year anyway that, that got recommended. Uh, and then of those, Telefilm picked... Uh, 18 in our year mm-hmm. um, but they've announced that they will now be supporting 50 five zero projects <laughs> yeah. every year presumably at the same budget amount i would hope um although we yeah, don't yeah i would have... hope so too we, so the reality is that um the the specific details of the program aren't out yet um but they're adding new partners. Um, so CSF and Favor are two. They will be adding some more. Not sure who from Alberta will be uh, designated as that. Um, they're also going to put a, a larger focus on mentorship, mm. uh, which was so, so important for us. Um, and this is interesting. Yeah. There's a, yeah. So if you've had success as a short film, uh, as a short filmmaker, uh, winning prizes at a couple of, you know, handpicked festivals, uh, you you kind of get an automatic stream into the program. So it's it's designed to take take short filmmakers and bring them up to the feature film right. level um, a lot more easily if you've had a lot of success. Totally. Um, if, you know, you can win at festivals with a short and still not be able to make a feature. Yeah, it doesn't really mean much. So it's a cool they're, yeah, they're kind new of, route. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, and then also they're, they've established an automatic second feature uh, financing stream for filmmakers who produce internationally recognized first features. Right. So um, if you make a feature through the micro budget program or, or anyway, and, and you know, you get into con or TIFF or uh, we actually don't know what those festivals are going to be yet. Yeah. The list isn't out, but uh, you're automatically greenlit. I think it's up to 500 grand that Telefilm will kick in Whoa. for a, a second feature film, which is just unreal. That's amazing. Yeah. So, Damn. so stoked about these changes. Um, and we will uh, obviously keep, keep our ear to the ground for developments on this uh, and let you know when the guidelines come out. That's amazing. That's really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's huge news. And so if you if you aren't familiar with the micro budget program, check it out. Uh, you can just Google Telefilm micro budget or Telefilm talent to watch. 
um, and read last year's guidelines because chances are they'll be pretty similar. I'm mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. not sure what the changes will be. Um, and, and listen to any of our past episodes because <laughs> we talk about this <laughs> yeah, thing a lot. Exactly. Yeah. Alrighty. So, uh, I was lucky enough again to, to, you know, in, in partnership or with thanks to the Calgary international film festival, uh, to chat with one of the, the groups of filmmakers that were, that were behind uh, a film called ice blue that they screened and had a world premiere of, uh, at, uh, the Calgary international film festival. I, I saw the film, you saw the film and it's fantastic. It really is. It's, it's <laughs> wonderful. Yeah. We love the, the people who make it of course, but, um, I was really, that it was wonderful <laughs> it's a lot easier yeah. when it's like a really good movie yeah um so uh, yeah i was lucky enough to sit down with uh jason long um sandy summers and scott lepp uh the producer uh well you know you'll you'll see who they are but you you've heard some of these voices on, on the podcast before i think um but this is just a deep dive into the film and how it got made so this is kind of just a, a how-to on a, on a low budget film uh that didn't take the telephone micro budget path but still found um some money and and in in the end more than the two hundred and fifty thousand dollars uh that uh, the micro budget caps you at so um it's a very interesting conversation uh you know for writers for producers for directors so um it's kind of an all-around podcast so uh please enjoy all right self-esteem we are rolling um so I've already done this wonderful intro for you guys uh, in the previous, you know, the audience has already heard it, but uh, I don't know everything about you. So why don't you guys introduce yourselves um, just so the audience knows a little bit more about you. You've all been on the podcast before, uh, but Jason's the only one who's, who's, we've kind of gone in depth on him uh, before Sandy, we were talking about her land, Scott, we were talking about Heartland. lots of lands. I didn't even mean to do that, (laughs) but Scott, tell us about you. Sure. Um, uh, I am, uh, I'm the interactive producer on Heartland and producer of Ice Blue, which is why we're here. And uh, that's really all you need to know. All right. Fair enough. It might be fine for each of us to talk about each other. Yeah. That might be oh, yeah. More oh, yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. That is good because you're all going to be modest. That's a good idea. Yeah. All right. I was not going to be modest. <laughs> I have nothing to add to this. <laughs> Scott likes to periscope football drafts. And I like to watch right. periscopes of Scott in his football drafts without being in his football drafts. The future. And shit talk <laughs> on said periscopes. Um, it happened. And Scott watches football every Sunday. That's correct, also. Mm-hmm. And Except today. Scott's yeah. <laughs> an amazing multitasker. Oh, okay. And he has the capacity to do everything at the same time and actually get it done. Impressive. He's a very impressive guy. It's uh, <clears throat> it's no joke making a feature film. And like you said, we are talking about Ice Blue as our kind of our, our main point. But uh, yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot to be done, uh, especially when you're the only real producer, right? You know, doing all that critical yeah. day-to-day stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it was a steep learning curve. To say the right, least, right, right. and and you know, it wasn't an intentional to take on all those things. It just kind of became a necessity, just because of the logistics of the project. But ten years of being uh, kind of under the producer of Canada's longest-running drama of all time must have helped, no? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, it, it turned out that I had taken in a lot of things that I didn't even realize just by being mentored by these people for so long. Cool. So nice. 
Producers can be real scumbags. Matt. This is true. Yes. And you actually introduced me to Scott Lepp many years ago mm. when we were doing a short with Full Swing Productions. Oh, yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. Called Like Sunday Morning. Right. And when I met Scott, I thought, wow, I want to make a lot of movies with this guy. And then we made a second short, and now we've made a feature. And in that whole time, no scumbaggery. Over at three productions? Yeah. No scumbaggery? Totally. Unreal. He is, he is, he is, and I, I don't know why everyone's laughing. <laughs> he is honorable. He has integrity. Mm-hmm. And people, uh, people respond and work and are inspired by him. So that I was my yeah. very short uh, take on Scott on set on Ice Blue. Everything from shoveling to shoveling snow to uh, uh, big picture stuff. But he, right. was, he was doing it all. Nice. And it was because of Jason that he gave me his number, and I uh, texted him, hey, you want to get together? Nice. And then he became the producer within one hour and seven minutes (laughs) of me meeting him in a coffee shop. And that always seems like a dangerous decision to make so quickly, but uh, obviously it worked out. You guys are premiering this week uh, at the Calgary International. Is that the first screen, your world premiere? Yeah, it is. Wow. Awesome. Very exciting. Yeah, you know, and it's funny that Sandy would say that because... We were talking about this last night at the Everfall premiere, and uh, we had met each other years and years ago through Jason Mm -hmm. and agreed to do the project together within minutes of having coffee. Mm -hmm. And then it wasn't until, you know, suddenly we're shooting this project and we're in the first week of production on Ice Blue and I'm realizing, you know, I've never actually worked with her before. I feel like I know her so well right, right, right. for three years, but we've never done this together. Right. Yeah. Interesting. So I was at home every night watching dailies, just like <laughs> meticulously combing through to make sure she hit all the right notes. And uh, so we were laughing about that last night because it was, uh, it didn't take long for me to realize that. Yeah, of course she knew exactly what she was doing yeah, and was yeah. kicking ass. And so I stopped watching dailies right. shortly after that. <laughs> well, and I think you I hit- like to watch Scott watching dailies on Periscope. <laughs> um, and shit talk. He, he didn't know that that was going on, but I would shit talk to Sandy about oh, Scott watching. It. He doesn't know how to watch a fucking daily gotcha, to gotcha. save his life. <laughs> I think you hit on two important points though. And the first is, the lack of production like we, we you know we do at least our our community does a lot of development i would say you know we yeah. we meet a lot we write a lot we we talk about what we've written we try to get things made but um so that's kind of a symptom of you know you guys are, are probably some of the best filmmakers in the province and the fact that it took that long to get a feature going is kind of sad and and unfortunate um but the other thing is that it was Sandy's first feature film, and that's another sad symptom of of I mean maybe the you know the the gender situation in in Alberta, but also just the level of production in Alberta. Um, but yeah, we you know we all know that Sandy has you know decades of experience and and has every right and and strength to be doing a feature film, and it's kind of uh, sad that it's taken this long. I don't know how you feel about that, and I didn't mean to take the conversation this way. We were laughing, and now it's sad. But. Uh, <laughs> You know what, though, you made a a good point. It is kind of sad, but at the same time, um, we're thrilled with where we are at the moment. For sure. And the one thing to keep in mind with Ice Blue is that, you know, we still wouldn't be there if we didn't have the script that we got Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. Jason. And just to kind of circle a little bit back to introductions is in that meeting that we all had at this coffee shop talking about Ice Blue and trying to get our first feature film project off the ground. Not Jason's first, obviously. Um, legendary screenwriter Jason Long. <laughs> but um, 
at that time we had that. what's that? I just periscope you saying that. <laughs> yeah. At the time we had this like 15 page treatment that Sandy had written. Okay. And that's it. And we were going to apply for the telefilm micro budget program and it was due in like three weeks and we didn't even have a draft of a script. Oh wow. So Jason is like, no, nah, no, nah, I got this. And I was like, well, okay, he's a little overconfident, but whatever. In three weeks. <laughs> well, it was over Christmas. I it was, yeah, it was over, okay, it was over two very memorable moments. Right. I'm pretty sure you and you asked me on December 7th, and it was due January 7th. Yes. And I, and I wow. hadn't read anything yet. Whoa. And so my first reaction was unlikely because I wanted time off. Right. Of course. But then I read the thing, and I thought... Um, the work is done. Mm. The map was there. You just have to build it. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. And, and he did because it was Such shootable. I, I feel like we got it around Boxing Day or like the 27th or something like that. Wow. Yeah, room to spare. Yeah, <laughs> lots of room to spare. You did such a good job in bringing all the characters and the story to life. It was it was pretty remarkable. Cool. It, it was yeah phenomenal. And what's what's the birth date of your daughter? January fourth. Oh yeah. Oh really? Wow. Okay, so <laughs> when we so okay so you hear the timeline right and so I I and I, we all knew when we decided to do this that we had the four weeks, and I'm talking to Scott on the phone. And I hear weird, something weird in the background. I said, Scott, where are you? He said, oh, my wife's having a baby. <laughs> I'm at the hospital. I said, I know we all decided to work really hard, but I actually think like this, this is one that you can like take off. Yeah. He says, no, I'm just, <laughs> just next to her working. It's all good. It wasn't the I'm first like, baby, right? It was the second. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right, it's right. old hat like, now. Okay, okay. Ring it in. I we won. Right, like, right. Like it was so funny, but but that's the kind of guys that they are. I was right? and I was just gonna say Jason didn't have a newborn at this point, did he? Or, no, or, I didn't. Yeah, yeah. No. But he had to birth a whole freaking script. Yeah, no, that's, <laughs> that's, that's from. There's no question. You know, from like from some from a story that may have been all there, but he still needed to do all the work yeah, on for it. Sure. Right. Yeah. That's that's insane. I didn't know that story. That's crazy. Um. So yeah, yeah, I submitted <laughs> I submitted that application from like this nook at the South Health campus <laughs> that they that they have for like for people to stay with with uh, their you know significant others who are giving birth. Oh, cool. All right. It's like a nook in the window, and it was just I just like curled up in there and. Nice. So he said, "I'm in a nook in a window. My my wife's just having a baby. It's all good." It was a great view. How's the Wi-Fi? It was good. Oh, good. Right. Dude, the South Health Campus kicks ass. Nice. Yeah. Awesome. yeah. Foothills has no nooks. I can vouch for that. No nooks. vouch for that. Slow Wi-Fi. Uh, all right. So I like this game. Let's talk about Sandy. Tell, tell me about Sandy. Who's Sandy? Sandy is, she's, she is the most composed director I've ever worked with. And uh, I have the, the great privilege of following directors around Heartland all the time just mm-hmm. because my office is right beside the directors at, in the Heartland office. And so I get to work with them through prep alongside the producer all the time. And so right. I get to see these amazing directors come in. And uh, the best one that I've always liked to work with is Dean Bennett, whom mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people know. And uh, if you haven't already, would be an amazing guest totally. for the he podcast. Should, should be on, yeah. Um, but that's who Sandy reminded me of when we started getting into prep because she's so thorough and prepared. And that's, you know, I guess I suppose you don't necessarily have to be like that, but 
that's my preference of, of director to work with. And I think you get more done that way. And at the same time as being thorough and prepared and, and ready to shoot her day is that there's also, she does leave that room to uh, let the, you know, the potential cinematic magic happen for those moments. Like, you know, when we jumped outside and grabbed Billy in the blizzard, just like that, which ended up making the film. Mm. So that's what I like is that open mind, thorough, prepared, and talented and has obviously worked her craft over the years. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, this is just, this is a breakout for her and I will ride her coattails. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what, what about you? This, this feels forced now, but, uh, but I like talking about Sandy. Yeah. yeah, no, I can talk about Sandy all day. I, I think we've known each other probably close to it. I want to say close to a decade. I don't know. Um, I believe Corey Lee made our introductions together. Is that possible? It could be. Because I was story editing for him, and then maybe that's how we connected. Because I think the first thing I read of yours was Pearl, an early draft, which is um, what is it? Is it what is it called now? Iris. So, Iris. <laughs> Wilting Iris, or just Iris? Wilting Iris. Um, so just remember that name, because uh, it's uh, hopefully that one is coming down the pipe, because it's a, a phenomenal script that I've I've read many drafts of in the last few years, and, and given my little two cents in here and there, and a few other things. So. Um, Gosh, easy breezy, man. You know, there's um, not just a director, not just a producer, not just a writer, a designer, um, I think has so many tools in the kit that um, that directing is just kind of calm. Just, just in directing, she takes everything that she's she's got and, and applies it, but has so many uh, life skills, life experience, I think. Uh, travel, I think, probably really influences her work. But just as far as uh, communication relationships go, like just again, there's like Scott said, he chooses. You know, it's it's a preference to work with directors with composure. I think it's you know from a creative side, you know, Sandy handed me this gift of a story that um, you know was a father daughter story, and I've got it a daughter around the same age as. Mm. as Ariel, who's now, well, my daughter's now 18. She's about 18. She's now going to SAIT as I'm teaching at SAIT. It's freaking weird. Oh, wow. I didn't she's, know. In, she's in the culinary program. Yeah. Wow. Um, and so I thought, oh, father-daughter story, and it's a little bit kind of supernatural, spooky, weird. I would never come up with this, so why not give it a, that's why, that's what sold me on it was I'm going to give it a shot. But, like, not you know, a day doesn't go by that I go, she could have just done this. <laughs> she could have just written it and I could have been completely cut out of the process. Right. But, the, but the fact that she graciously invited me mm. in was, um, I, once I got into it, I was, and that's why it only took a few weeks to write. Cause I just got really, um, um, I think obsessive about it uh, in a little, in a ways. And, but it was, you know, there was a gift there and it wasn't just like, Oh, I gotta write a script. I go, I get to go write this mm. story. Mm. And that really meant something. And it really helped me work on my, because when I read her scripts, um, I'm always taken by the visual um, sensibilities and I'm not terribly visual as a writer. So I really wanted to try to honor that because that was, you know, the landscape was such a huge part of this story that, uh, so it helped me kind of build chops there. Anyway, all to say, what a, what an amazing person to, to give me this, um, to trust in me to, to dive in and play and was never in rewrites ever positional or it's got to be this way. 
you know, we all just, we had conversations about, you know, practical reasons why script changes had to happen. Or, you know, when I got stuck on story, they were always there to bounce off. We had Andrew Reggett, um, story edit, um, who was fantastic in some early drafts. So there was never any, like, I've done a lot of collaboration and, and sometimes you have to learn how to fight in collaboration. And mm. I don't think we've had that yet. So like we haven't had <laughs> yeah, yeah. the learning how to be respectfully disagree. Like we just right. kind of, it was silly how on the same page. That's awesome. We were about things. Huh. So she's okay. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing I would add about Sandy that, that we kind of maybe went over back when we did the Herland podcast um, is how much you give back, especially to female filmmakers in, in our community. And, um, even as far back as the Herland Film Festival, right? That was, am, am I right in saying that was a film festival for women, mm-hmm. by women kind That's of thing? Right. Yeah. And now it's a workshop that is, has been hugely helpful. And, and yeah. uh, I mean, you look at film filmmakers like Jillian McKercher and, and Paige, yeah. um, they're making really cool stuff. And, and uh, I think they owe a lot of that to you. So that's very cool. Um, did we kind of, sk- I feel like we hit on Jason a little bit. What's your first memory of Jason? What, what do you think of Jason? <laughs> my first memory of Jason, actually my, my first memory, I was, when I was writing Pearl, that's when I think I got to know you uh, best. When you were in the boat. And, and I was, <laughs> I was in the boat in Banff. I actually, uh, at the Leighton Artist Colony, there's actually a boat in the woods. And so I've always requested the boat because it's a, it's, um, Pearl and Iris, Wilting Iris now, is a boat. It's an East Coast story. I grew up in Cape oh, Breton. Okay, cool. So it's nothing to do with my family. Nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I always went in the boat. So because for those who don't helpful. know, this is a boat that's on land yeah. that has everything a writer needs. Kind of to, yeah, to, it's to, lovely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, and I remember, you know, the first time I was sending things to Jason, thinking like, man, because mm-hmm. I respected Jason so much. Mm-hmm. His writing mm-hmm. is so great. And I'm like, ah, oh, this am my writing with Jason. <laughs> and anyway, he was very helpful. <laughs> like, he was very helpful, and it, it kind of allowed me to edit to stop having that exterior voice saying, man, just stop writing, just stop it. Mm. And just sending it to him and just working through my insecurities as right, a writer. Right. And, you know, Jason was great because Jason always <clears throat> was able to work in a way that kind of opened up my world, asked me questions that I needed to know. So he's very intuitive in terms of how to, um, how to help story go forward. And I think that's an art. And because, you know, and I think he, he definitely helped me become, he's probably the reason I became a stronger writer. Mm. I would actually say you're the reason I became a stronger writer. Wow. No other reason. That's cool. That's cool. It, it, I mean, it is interesting when you, when you have a script and, and you can be, you can be so contained within it. Right. And you think, well, I think this is as good as I'm going to be able to get it. So when you get outside eyes, you can, you're, it opens up your eyes to, to like, oh, I, I could have done that, but without them kind of unlocking that, I, I wouldn't have gotten there. So that's cool. Jason's very good at unlocking things, which is why sometimes the concept of writing a, a story in our outline and giving it to a writer doesn't always work out. Right. Like, yeah. I'm going to actually say more commonly, it doesn't work right, out. Right, right. And I felt so confident in in giving it to Jason. I don't know if I would have given it to anyone else. Mm. So I just felt so confident to give it to Jason because I I felt that the way he has interacted with me and my writing 
if I could see those same words and that same thing going to the script. And when he did the first script, I was like, I was really blown away it, because it was just, he, he didn't take any aspect of it in a way that made me go, right. like, you know, that, that did that little. That's like, an easy thing to thing. do, right? When you're, when you've created a story. Yeah. Yeah. No, he didn't on any aspect. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Hmm. And the script went through a process of becoming bigger and then going smaller, right. you know, and there were, there was beautiful stuff in, in both realms. So it's it that was um yeah trust cool yeah so so you're happy <laughs> you haven't reasonably actually, haven't told me anything yet so we've got we through that whole process of introductions we, we did get kind of the inception of the whole uh, uh feature scott hasn't talked about me yet uh oh i guess that yeah yeah it's a little it, that's that's what i mean is we kind of like skipped you and then anyway uh <laughs> I think oh, I, looking at me. I think he was talking about you when you you know got that script done in in over Christmas in no time and so that's where I want to segue out of what because, about the real me? <laughs> okay. Because once we like you know in Alberta it's hard to make a, a feature film. This is this was a long process, yes. right? Yes. yes. So uh, what was the next step? So telephone micro budget. You know, I, I always find that having a deadline for something is, is great. And so that obviously, um, what's the word, uh, coagulated you as a team and, yep. and, and made you uh, uh, work towards a common goal, but yep. not successful, correct? Not successful. Right. Yeah. So that was the first step. Um, telephone micro budget. We actually didn't even get out of Calgary, right? Okay. Our project was up with a project by AJ Demer. Demers and Chris no. Cinnamon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And okay. there, that's the one that Calgary, that CSIF put forward. Gotcha. So we never even got out of Calgary, which was really, really, really disappointing. At the so, time. and quickly for those who don't know, if you haven't listened to season one, we've talked about it many times, but the way the telephone micro budget works is every city, there are about 38 co-ops. You have to get through your first co-op. Everyone submits to that co-op or that school. And then, uh, they each select one. So there are 38 that move on to the second phase where telephone makes the selection. So unfortunately you're saying that you didn't get past the CSIF section yeah. against the local, the other local. Yeah. Scene. I mean, the other project was fantastic. Yeah, it sure, was yeah. a strong project. It was never selected, unfortunately by telefilm, but, and then at that point we identified another, uh, another fund, which was CFC, I believe Canadian film center, mm, okay. which allowed us to, um, build the story we to make the story bigger because we you can get a bigger budget for that one. Oh, okay so that's when uh jason's like hey i, I you know I, I got an idea in between this we we did get like some amf development money and stuff like that but uh <laughs> <laughs> jason's taking photos uh we we got some amf development which is where andrew reggett came in and uh and, and started oh, okay, putting cool. putting some notes in but we were all this was all to get ready for cfc uh jason at that no it would have been shortly after this so we were um turned down by cfc as well which so is now, i don't know if any calgary filmmakers no I, I i don't think they like us here <laughs> well or i think they i think they prefer their grads their yeah, alumni uh, aj just imagine. got into their tv program oh, okay, aj okay. demers but he's kind of right. he's kind of toronto now yeah that's yeah. we lost yeah. him that's yeah good, yeah we though. did yeah good for Brilliant. him for sure yeah he's but one. yeah so then we turned down by them but but what's great about this is that you're developing your project throughout right mm -hmm. so it's 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 getting bigger it's getting better every time yeah and this is what we always tell you know when, when we're in rooms scott and i you know like applying to grants is a great process to develop your project because it forces you to hit deadlines and even if you don't get it you're ready for the next one yeah exactly so 
And then and then it was really disappointing after that. We didn't really know what to do next. Mm-hmm. So we kind of shelved it for like 18 months or something like that. But somewhere in there, Jason just had this kind of inspiration to take the story in a different direction. And you may remember this differently and, and please chime in. But mm-hmm. this is where the story changed dramatically. And I won't get into it just because it would be a spoiler for anybody who hasn't seen it. But uh, it took a he did a 180 on the tone of the film. And um, and it's really what, in my opinion, what what changed it from us getting turned down everywhere we went to oh. making it incredibly appealing. Interesting. Um, so, by adding a lot of depth to our protagonist. Okay, cool. So without spoiling, is it like an event that changes the direction or is it just a, it's a tonal? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe you don't even remember. I, I don't I know. Don't my recollection is this. We shelved it for a while. Scott read a book. By Edward this Burns. Is, oh, yes, yes, yes. And he yeah. said, I yeah. can make this for nothing. <laughs> Cut it down. Right. And I that, said, that, okay. That's actually true. Yeah. Okay. And okay. then uh, that's how you went in, you walked in to tell us and you pitched them on it. That's what, that was my recollection. So, and so I didn't really do anything for a while until Scott said, we got to like, we got we to bring it down to uh, be more cost feasible. Right. Because we had built it up. There was a subplot um, that kind of got into more into the father's um, family that I kind of built in and we all liked it, but it was like, we, you know, then we just left it for a while. Right. And so of course, when we decided to write it, you know, uh, scale it back down, that had to go. That right. was my recollection. And then everything was just a constant, um, paring down, which I have to say is a great move, especially for a first feature for, for two of you, because it, nobody, nobody wants to give first feature filmmakers <laughs> 2 million, 3 million, $5 million to make yeah. a feature film. But if you can do it on a hundred K or 150 K, that's more feasible, and and unfortunately, the script does have to suffer. It happened it exactly exactly that happened to us on Plain View, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. But I don't I don't <laughs> feel the the script suffered at all. I think that no. after that, and and through us to kind of talking of really where the characters are going. Yes, yeah. I think that solidified and and fleshed out all aspects of the script cool. in, in a much deeper. Yeah, that added backstory. I think. Jason and I use. started having more conversations about, you know, what's what, why things are happening. happening. Yeah. And then, you know, from that, then it became, uh, you know, we started to see some, kind of the bottom of the iceberg. Mm-hmm. Cool. Cool. Okay. That's yeah. great. And simultaneously more producible. Well, yeah, exactly. That's, a, that's yeah, awesome. Exactly. That's like, yeah. So <laughs> I had read this book, Independent Ed by Edward Burns. Yes, which you've I talked about this book and it, to yeah. everybody. Independent uh, Ed. Independent okay. Ed by Edward Burns. And this is a guy you've seen on screen probably before, right? He's he Absolutely. Was in, he was in Saving Private Saving Ryan. Saving Private Ryan is yeah. probably his the, the thing he people would recognize right. him from the most. But, but he's also an independent producer. Exactly. Like his first film, Brothers McMullen, was accepted into Sundance wow. and he won um, some award there anyways, but it, it vaulted his career um, to the point where his second film, you know, Tom Petty did the whole soundtrack. Oh, He's wow. like, dude, I love Brothers McMullen. <laughs> I want to do your next movie. That's awesome. Wow. So that's really cool. Huh. But um, he kind of outlines in that book this like structure of how to do it. Right. Now, we can't really do it the way he does it because he's in New York. Right. And, you know, in Brothers McMullen, he got uh, Connie Britton, for example. Right. Right. And and when she was still up and coming, we don't really have there's Connie Britton necessarily right, here. Right. Um, not saying there isn't a lot of amazing cast, but there's a difference between New York and Calgary <clears throat> for sure. Um, so we had to change it a little bit. Um, he also uses a skeleton crew, so mm-hmm. like four people. Wow. 
um, that is feasible out here. And we could have done that. And that was actually the original plan. Huh. When we when we got in to tell us that was the plan. Wow. Let's go out and let's just find the right spot and let's just shoot it. Cool. Um, but somewhere along there, we started having brainwaves and I think we can get more money here. I think we can get more money there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think we can build it up. And eventually we're at, you know, like the micro budget level of right. telefilm. And, and we just kind of started finding these sources and, and thinking, well, the best way to serve the story is to plug a little bit more money into it. Now, that, that's not to say that we started rolling in the cash by any means. We were still incredibly tightly strapped. Right. And the people who came on board, everybody worked for less and everybody put in a ton of work and effort. And it's, you know, the value on screen is a lot greater than the budget. But mm-hmm. uh yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the background and the history of of Ice Blue. We were eventually greenlit by Telus uh, as part of their Telus Optic Local program, which does not exist anymore. Right. So, so let's not skip over how huge a coup that was, though. Because- <laughs> yeah, that that was. Uh, see, I didn't even realize it at the time right. because here I am thinking I, I'm the smartest man on earth, having read this book. Right. And uh, I'll take your 75k, thank you, and we'll make a feature film and right. become rich and famous. Um, of course, that's not a great plan. Mm. Um, so, but, the, so originally, Telesoptic, it's it's now part of the Story Hive world, and it's 100k. But this was yeah. the Telesoptic 75k. Yeah. So you were going to make a feature on 75k was the plan. Yeah, exactly. Like uh-huh. we were going to kick in some and get you know the production grant and stuff like that. So the budget was a little bit larger than that. But and we should say no feature film has ever gone through the Telesoptic program. No, that's right. That's right. Um, and at the time, they were told. Um, because what happens is they actually give their projects to a third party to read them and curate them for them. That's like the first step. And whoever got ours, Ice Blue, yeah. read it. And and they were actually told, just throw it out if it's a feature film. Right. Or like, you know, I shouldn't throw them under the bus like that, but yeah, it was yeah. something to that. They just don't event. do them. Yeah, yeah. And it does not say anywhere that you can't apply mm, with okay. a feature. Okay. And so we did. And whoever it was read it. And then they took it to who became our production executive, Dan Emery. And said, I know you guys don't do features, but right. you got to read this one. Wow. And Dan read it and he said he just got into it and he couldn't put it down. Cool. And then he took it to his bosses and said, I know we don't do features, <laughs> but I think we got to do this one. Wow. And then he phoned me and he said, congratulations. And then uh, I started to sweat. <laughs> right. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's that moment where, oh, it's actually happening. Oh, now. crap. We have to yeah. make a movie. Right. Um, (laughs) and that was in July, uh, of last year, early July, I believe is when we knew, and we were still quite a ways away because we couldn't shoot it that fall for whatever reason. And we weren't going to shoot it till the spring. So it was a lot of time to wait in between, in between. When did um, you shoot? We shoot it. We we shoot it. (laughs) We shot late March. uh, We wrapped mid April. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. So that was a long time to wait, but it did give us a little bit of an opportunity to prep some things. Yeah. And to get some stuff in place and to try to make a plan, which of course is funny. It never really worked out. (laughs) Well, the stuff that we had in place, everything changed. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. As we went into actual prep and production, and seasonally, spring was important for the script. So I think that's why that's another reason we decided to. Not it's trying to fake fall for spring. It's so weird. Spring. In my memory, you guys shot right after us, but the whole winter passed between <laughs> we shot in October. That's that's mm-hmm. weird. 
Hey everybody, this is Scott uh, taking a break from this conversation briefly to tell you about um, one of our sponsors who is, who's just one of our favorite organizations in Calgary, uh, the Calgary Film Center. Um, the Calgary Film Center is a world-class screen-based production facility. Suitably equipped and serviced, you can execute your next project with ease. Uh, they have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages and 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces, complemented by their anchor tenant, William F. Whites, uh, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. At the Calgary Film Center, their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs. As well, the Calgary Film Center delivers programs to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. Uh, one of those uh, we've talked a little bit about is the Project Lab um, that is actually helping us develop our next feature film, uh, and, and we should have more news about that program uh, later this year. So please check out the Calgary Film Center website at www.calgaryfilmcenter.com. Uh, and you can see under upcoming events, you can find the next gathering of industry professionals uh, and networking opportunities, which is coming up this Friday, Friday, December 8th, from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. in Studio 2 at the Film Center. Registration is required and you can find out how to do it. Uh, it's free uh, in that link uh, on their website. So please check it out. And uh, I will be there on Friday and I hope to see you there as well. Uh, so, so, all right, let's talk about production then. Um, but before we do, I guess some of the, some of the crew, you know, I'd love to hear about you and, and specifically casting and, and also the, the DP relationship, because I know that was really important for me and, and, uh, I have a lot less experience than you, but going into the first feature, um, I needed a DP who really knew what they were doing because I really didn't. So, so that is important. Yeah. So, so what was that relationship like? Who did you find? How did that go? Um, we invited Nick Thomas in, right. Um, Nick and I had met, I would, I'm going to say 10 years ago at Cannes and, um, he, he was, um, he and his crew were following me through the market and stuff. Oh, cool. Like as a doc? As a bit of a doc. Yeah. For the company he was working with. So that's actually how I met him because, uh, through that. And then over the years, we just true, we kept in touch and worked on things and kind of development and stuff, but we never um, did a project together. And so when this opportunity came for us, I gave him a call and just to see where he was at and if he was interested and. And this was like three weeks before (laughs) we went to camera. It was three weeks before it it was pretty last minute. Um, Part of that had to do with I got into a bit of a car accident, and so we had to change oh. the dates and stuff oh, okay, like that. Okay. Yeah. So in do in changing the dates, that messed a few things up. Right. Right. And so then at the last minute, I um, when you know when I was thinking of because I I feel the the relationship with, between the DP and the director is definitely so important. Yeah. And you know I wanted someone who. Um, it's really important to me for everyone on set to, to kind of have um, uh, a certain uh, way of being. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. really important. Right. Me. Yeah. Yeah. And so hey, I think if my interpretation of that is I feel like there are there are unfortunately people in our community who whose attitudes suck and, and are just not fun to have on set. And it and it it can it can be really dangerous like it, it, that can that can start to infect the whole crew and you kind of need cool people on on set if you want a cool project i think yeah and i'm pretty chill yeah and so i enjoy having chill around me mm-hmm. but and i'm a you know really focused intense hard worker right and so not to say that you know and i and i like um i, I it, 
I like that around me as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I try to do that. And Nick, I've, I know Nick as being a very chill guy. Right, right. Um, it was, he had never done a feature before. Okay. So I wanted to, so we chatted about, you know, that. But he's a beautiful shooter and a great yeah. guy. So I just, you know, figured if he was open to it, um, we could work well together. Deluxe Design Group is his yeah. company, DDG. You should mm-hmm. check out their work. It's, yeah. it's amazing. It if is amazing, yeah. I didn't know Nick before, but I watched him on set quite a bit, actually. And I was really, I've commented on this recently to somebody that, you know, there's some people that work really fast, but the, the work suffers. But mm-hmm. there's some people that take forever, but things look beautiful, but mm-hmm. he got that time. And he just, you guys together and his team with Braden and everybody that was on that uh, crew, they just seemed to strike that amazing balance of, to me, it, like the perception was they were going fast, but then I'd see the work and go, "Jeez, oh, <laughs> really lovely stuff." Nice, so nice. I was really happy from early on. That's impressive. We need to stop talking so nicely about Nick. <laughs> you know, then other people are going to hire him. Ah, right, right, right. Well, I assume once they see the film as well, <laughs> yeah. that's going to help. You know what? Once they see the film, he's going to be the busiest dude. Mm-hmm. I think he just worked with Andrew Reggett on something. If I'm not mistaken, oh, really? Yeah, they made a short with Dean Bennett. With and, Dean Bennett. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. And, and Nick Shaw, right? Yep, and he Nick did. Shot that wow, show. right. Cool. Falling yeah. through the cracks. Yeah, it's that's a cool it. little project. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, what about casting? And Jason, were you involved? In, you you helped us out hugely on it. He in plain was view slightly involved. <laughs> yeah. uh, I I I guess did the groundwork of uh, casting director, sending out <laughs> the <laughs> notices <laughs> and getting tapes and right, right, right. setting up audition times, and so I and you know so had a had a had a voice in mm-hmm. the room about who I thought was strong, but we all kind of made this. Well, I think Sandy and I always tried to include Scott in a decision and Scott would be like on his phone going, whatever you say, (laughs) not in a dickish way, just in a, like he's, he's trusting. And unless we went like really left field with something, um, he was always just on board with what we were thinking. Yeah. And that's the best way to produce. I think when it comes to creative decisions, like let's not do anything that harms the integrity of the project, but otherwise, you know, do, do your thing. Yeah. That's cool. And he got a space at Heartland offices for me, so that was <laughs> nice. also very helpful. To do auditions? Yeah. Okay, cool. Heartland people were very helpful Oh, to good, us. good. Were, yeah, just a bit. They were so, they <laughs> oh were actually gosh. so helpful <laughs> yeah. that um, it's unbelievable. They're a gracious, All right, generous cool. uh, group of people. Well, I actually don't know much about that, except, of course, Michelle is in the film. Yeah. And, and is a Heartland cast member, has been for a long time. Um, what are the other Heartland connections uh, other than? Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, my goodness. Uh, it was mostly for me, right? Yeah. Because I had never done a feature before. So I was calling people all the, I think I spoke with every department head on the wow. show at cool. some point in time right. about what to do. Nice. Uh, it all, of course, starts with with my old boss, Jamie Paul Rock, mm-hmm. the producer, former producer of Heartland. Who Him and that? I spoke a lot. Was he there at the time? Um, or were you sh- no, you were done no, that season? No, okay. we would talk from Toronto. Gotcha. Uh, I mean, last year he did help us when we were developing. Right. He, you know, he had read the script and he would offer notes and he would say, cool. you know, this is where you're going to run into trouble. This, These are things you should think about changing. I haven't seen him in years, but really good guy when I met him yeah, years he's, ago. He's yeah. awesome. He's he's so good. So that's where it started. Uh, Lorenz Augustine is our line producer on Heartland. He helped us get our final location. Um you know, days before we needed to shoot that. Uh, Brian Dunn, location manager, actually found our main location for us cool. uh, out in Millerville because you know, he, he actually, it's like neighbors of his, a beautiful, beautiful spot nice. uh, west of Millerville. Um, he helped. <laughs> and then, of course, uh, day one, the evening of day one, the grip truck got stuck on set 
and Got and stuck, I'm like, like in mud or something. Yeah, yeah. Mud. Okay. because it kept uh, freezing, snowing, yeah, melting. Yeah. And it was just a big, big muck hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the grip truck got stuck, and I'm of course losing my mind, uh, pulling out my hair, getting gray hair, going bald, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> the things that happen to a producer yeah, over yeah. this. Uh, and so finally, I'm just like, you know what? Screw it. I, I got to phone Brian. I phone Brian, and he's like, Yeah, I'll be there at eight. I'm like, Cool. <laughs> Ten to eight. His tractor's rolling in. Holy, a tractor. Yeah. yeah. Of course, like his in-laws live um, at the farm, just the farm across the road. Oh, okay, cool. So cool. he just zipped over there, grabbed nice. the tractor, pulled it out. Different. and pulled Yeah, Perfect. pulled us out. And then I was like, all right, you guys have a great day. <laughs> <laughs> Save the day. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Billy Jansen, uh, picture car. Uh, he's our transport coordinator. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was walking me through, you know, insurance and liability mm-hmm, and some of that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Johnny Props, uh, Johnny Jones. Is actually one of the reasons that we there's a gun in our, in the script and it was supposed to be a shotgun and we kind of changed it uh, into a rifle for safety purposes based on on Johnny's recommendation. Okay. okay. Um, just because there were so many projects going at the same time as Ice Blue, mm-hmm. we the, it was hard to find crew. And right, so when right. you're doing important things safety wise, you need to have the right people. And so we downgraded that to a weapon that was manageable for right, us. Right. Um, cool. And I'm just trying to think, my goodness. Well, that's cool. And, I mean, uh, the team so was really helpful to me. Yeah. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Exactly. Yeah, so, you know, prior to going in and shooting, I said, um, and I, I asked if he would be available to get together. Right. So we met and we spoke for a few hours and it was really helpful. I nice. asked, I, I said, can I, can I call on you if, if I bottleneck somewhere and I, <laughs> right. or I need to vent? And he says, of course you can, you know, so in, in essence, he was, um, I, he was kind of like a, a mentor. Nice. Yeah. Which was great. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed. I didn't, I didn't really know about any of that. And I love it so much that kind of Heartland has been the Alberta production for the last 11 years. That's really kind of been the, the staple, the base. And it's so nice to hear that it was so helpful in. Oh my in, goodness. In yeah. Generous. Like, yeah. I cool. got to say Jason Lee, uh, as well, 724 yeah, yeah. films, he would, he's over the years has spent hours with me wow. teaching me about business affairs, right. teaching me about grant applications, about awesome. financial structures, recoupment schedules, uh, everything. Wow. And he, with ice blue, because we of course did things backwards and went into production without the financing in place a hundred percent. And so, uh, he walked me through the best way to get the money right and the way to do these applications and i just can't even speak enough about how valuable that was for us yeah i worked with jason for a few years at 724 and he's uh, he's like he's maybe the biggest wealth of knowledge in alberta about the most boring part of filmmaking but so important it is incredibly important Yeah. yeah did the heartland people help us get the goats Yes, Flo Crisco. Yeah. <laughs> wow. She, um, so, uh, yeah. That, that was my big sticking point. Was <laughs> we get three goats or I walk. <laughs> and goat showed up on the day. Wow. And I said, how did that happen? And Scott breezed by going, don't ask. <laughs> but we got the goats and go. I, I stayed on the project. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Nice, nice save. Yeah. <laughs> man, man, so it's, it's just crazy. Yeah. Ken Filowich is our editor. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. yeah. Heartland editor. Nonstop. Um, yeah. And of course, we did a lot of it in the Heartland edit suites. Right. Uh, the right. 724 cool, cool. films. Right. Ken um, did such an oh, amazing job. My goodness. Jordy Randall, Tom Cox, you know, everybody just 
valuable mentors. It's incredible. Yeah. It's incredible to think about the number of people that we relied on mm-hmm. um, to help us. Cool. And, and so many people, they, they're just like, they jump through hoops to help you, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's incredible and humbling and mm-hmm. amazing. So, so true. Right on. Uh, but, but what about casting, uh, kind of, w- were there any, you know, there were, there's always a story or two around casting. Uh, plan was to find our Ariel, our 16 year old lead and build around her. Right. So as we're casting all the other, you know, we're, we're asking for tape from, you know, we, we went to Toronto, we went to Vancouver, we went locally and we had, you know, kind of our four main to cast were Ariel, her dad, her mom and, uh, Christian, her love interest. And, um, the story goes that. Uh, well, what, what happened? I know that uh, Sophia Lachlan Hurt, who we cast as Ariel, um, I knew her name and I had not really seen her work, but I also knew who her mother was. And I had just actually worked with her dad, Joe, as an actor on uh, Dead Again in Tombstone. I played his deputy <laughs> and I had known, I've known, I knew Joe, but I didn't know him really well, but we got to know each other. Right. And so when it came time to casting, I remember that Sandy and Scott had mentioned her name a couple of years back when we were talking about this. Oh, and wow. I said, okay, I'll get her to, I know she's in Vancouver, some tape. So I asked, I just went to Joe directly and said, do you have her agent's info? I, I, and, she, and he graciously passed that along and we sent to her agent. Uh, and tape started rolling in. She was one of our first. In fact, I think there was um, there was someone from Toronto that sent in a good tape that was on a TV show out there. And I thought, oh, the bar has been set. This girl's mm-hmm. really good. Mm-hmm. And then a couple tapes later, Sophia's came in and I said, oh, the bar is way out of reach for that Toronto <laughs> actor right. now because that's the best tape I've ever seen. Wow. Hmm. It was the it was the takes were ready. Cool. That's how good it was Impressive. for me. Impressive. And she, she taught me things about the script in her taped audition that I didn't know. Isn't that amazing? About the story. Interesting. She huh. she was so meticulous, and it looks like she just kind of ran it by the seat of her pants, but everything was so precise. Huh. And you never, I, I do this a lot. I go, oh, it's over. We've got her. Right? It's done. <laughs> but I really, I did say that, and then, you know, Scott and Sandy, I think, were a little more measured, and right, I was, right. like, dancing. But that was a huge relief to know that, that we, if that's the bar, then nobody else really touched. Wow. No one else came close. Hmm. So then once you realize that's that's who you're looking at, mm-hmm. you start to go, well, certain people in these other parts won't fit them. Like we, Sophia's an older, right. she's not 16, she's right. older. Right. So anyone that we were looking at that actually looks true 16 or plays in that age range of 15, 16, we probably can't have them match up as friends right. Right. or romantic partners. Dads and moms got to be, you know... The, the, the age range has been set. Right. And so then we just started to kind of build from there. And I think uh, Michelle was always on our mind for Maria because of uh, Scott's connection to Harlan. And then when we matched, we thought that Sophia was our go-to. That was a really good matchup. Cool. So I think we pursued that. So that's, those are a couple of stories. Hmm. Um, I just want to just quickly jump in. You know, Jason's right about Sophia. We were all blown away. Um, and when people watch Ice Blue, they will see why. Because it is a dynamic and impressive performance. Hmm. And every single person who watches it singles her out. We probably it's couldn't have got else. her. And if we hmm. shot next year or this year or the year, I don't know if we could have got her. Like That's kind of the trajectory, the trajectory right, right. right now. She's on Cardinal right now. Is that right? She's yeah. shooting on season three huh. of Cardinal. Two? Cool. Two. Anyway. Yeah. So when we cast the... When, when we... Prior to totally casting, I um, did Skype calls with the four leads 
uh, or anyone that I, that I wanted to have a conversation with sure. and, and Skyped with them. And one of the, the reasons in particular, because of the, because there's a 16 year old character that is, um, that carries this, the whole film. So I wanted to make sure that who, whoever it was had the emotional stability, ability, um, the, the mental capacity to, to carry it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also to um, be able to have conversations with me about, you know, the, the, not just the tip of the iceberg, but everything that lies underneath so right. that, that the depth of it, the depth of the story, whether it's written there or not, will come through. Right. And talking with um, Sophia, um, her emotional IQ was, you know. That can be, which can be a challenge for young actors. It was amazing. Like she, she had, she asked such great questions. We'd go through the whole script. She had, she had done so much work on it previously. We had a lot of deep conversations, which for me was wonderful. Cool. As Des did the same thing with, um, when, with Michelle, Michelle Morgan, who mm-hmm. plays Maria. Um, we, we had great conversations on Skype about cool. the characters because there are some things in it that she really, um, wanted to be able to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we had, Great talks, and she did a wonderful job also. She was a perfect Maria, just perfect. I love her to bits. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. Well, uh, I was able to visit set uh, for the, the final day, and uh, I, I think this is probably a good place to kind of plug in some of the audio that I recorded with with uh, a number of people on set. Um, and, and that'll kind of cover production i think because i think we had a pretty good conversation about how it had gone and it was the last day so 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 maybe i'll cut to that now but um and and just because we're kind of running out of time i i want to skip over post-production unfortunately which sucks because right now the 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 uh the premiere the world premiere of the film is on tuesday what what happens after that like is is there distribution happening where where can people see it there's a q a Q and A directly after. Great. All right. Good. Good. Paper Street. <laughs> yeah. 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 After party. Paper yeah. Street. But you know this that, won't be out. No. This is yes, true. This won't be out by then. I but, the, but the goats and the beavers will be there. And, Aren't they? You've arranged that, right, Scott? Goats, yeah. beavers. Gus, 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 Gus will be there. Great. Yeah. Wow. Saving a seat, buddy. <laughs> you know what? If if the fact that that like if for nothing else, if you actually just want to see a beaver on screen, mm. ice blue. <laughs> that's right that is true it's not a common occurrence no uh he's he's bigger than you could ever imagine <laughs> they're huge 50 pounds this guy wow really oh, i think yeah. he's more than that i was yeah. going for okay. more than that too he, he's, he's a chunky monkey okay i'm, I'm being Gus, Gus. i'm being modest on Gus. Gus. <laughs> <laughs> uh so but well, but really what like, there's a there's a second screening which is awesome um any other film festivals uh, when, q a after the second yeah, screening. great too. great yeah we we have some <laughs> announcements to come Okay, Fortunately, cool. we can't make them Fair right enough. now only because there's so many things up in the air. Right, right. And you have to keep sta- your premier statuses in mind. Yeah, for sure. You know, you're international, you're USA. And so we're out to some big fish and, you know, fingers crossed. And cool. we know that it's not likely, but, you know, you never know who's going to watch your film and love it, right? For sure. So we don't have any more film festival announcements. We have been accepted to some. We just weighing options at the gotcha, moment gotcha. Uh, so we will screen in in other locations we will be available at some point on tell us on demand right of course. that is 
um, hasn't been determined the actual date yet. Okay. But it will be available at some point All right, there. Cool. Cool. There are, you know, as it happens, as you very well know, there are distributors that are contacting us all the time. Cool. Um, I'm new to this. And so I'm trying to learn alongside Jason and Sandy what the best route to go is. But at this point in time, and I only say this for any of any people that won't want to do this in the future, we have not sent a screener out to anybody. Oh, wow. Um, we're waiting to let it premiere. And oh, okay. And then we're going to go from there. Even though, so, as you say, people have reached out to you yeah, looking for them. Yeah, we've had about half a dozen wow. different companies. And you've said no. And then we say, you know what? <laughs> wow. uh, I will contact you after we screen. Okay, cool. And we'll go from there. And, and some of that is, has to do with the fact that I I'm, I'm wasn't entirely aware of how it affected us. Right. And, and I'm always a little bit leery on anybody that is contacting us. Wanting to add us to a library before they've seen anything about. Them. Oh yeah, yeah. That's so I'm always a little bit leery about sure. that, even yeah. though I'm sure a lot they have the best of intentions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, the, so we have to do what's right for our project, right. and we are willing to wait to let it screen, to let some reaction come out. Um, you know, we we feel like it's going to be positive, so I think that's going to help us. And awesome. then, you know, honestly, I'd like to go into a film market. Um, and and just see what happens mm-hmm. potentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, Telefilm is great for that. Telefilm is a partner of yeah, ours, right? So you know they're they're going to get us in somewhere, and uh, you know we'll kind of play it by ear and and see what happens. Awesome, awesome. And I do have like a really really lofty goal for distribution, but uh, and it involves like camping outside you know a famous Hollywood producer's home, <laughs> but Ed. <laughs> no, but you know, but it is funny because I am going to phone Ed's people. Um, you know, IMDb Pro is very powerful yeah, in yeah. that way, nice. and I am going to phone them and tell them about it because cool. I think uh he I think, you know, obviously I don't know him, but what I gather from following him online and through his book is that this would mean something to him. Yeah. And so, you know, and try, he's a big part of Tribeca. And right. Right. So I, I'm, we, we will, cool. I'm going to try to contact his people and just nice. to let them know and say, and see if they want to watch it. And awesome. Yeah. It's very smart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm excited for you guys. Yeah. Q and a Matt is, um, it's like, <laughs> it's like a question and answer period that okay, happens okay. after a film. And You're, so, you're actually well there'll, known for your Q&A. There'll be a moderator <laughs> and questions from the audience, and we will be the ones on stage providing the answers, hopefully, if we know. Will it be Ron Scott moderating? The uh, the Chokeslam Q&A was, uh, was very enjoyable, I must say. Yeah, uh, lens, thanks, thanks to you. I'm lenses sure it'll be entertaining. Are, lenses are great. Um, <laughs> this will be less lens-focused okay, okay. and more things that people give a shit about. Was there lens? Lens-focused. <laughs> Oh! And on that note, you should just hit stop right now. At the Chokeslam premiere, you talked you, t- you talked about Telefilm. Uh, Lauren Davis was at the Chokeslam premiere last right, year, yeah, yeah, yeah. and she's been really supportive of Chokeslam and, and earlier works I did with Cuffley. And her first words to me at Chokeslam, so this was September last year, before even saying hello, she goes, "What's up with this ice blue?" Oh, wow. Nice. And I said, I didn't even know it was out that we'd got this thing. Like, I think the word had just kind of officially leaked out in September. And I talked a bit about it. And she said, you know, we're out of money, but um, you should, guys should apply for finishing. This sounds like a perfect fit for finishing funds. And nice. that's, you know, there was no guarantee, but that really planted the seed that, oh, 
we could, we could, this is achievable. It's already on the radar. That's and a, that's so, a yeah, it was real. I was such a nice moment, um, mm-hmm. especially after that Q and a where I wanted to quit the world. <laughs> um, but, uh, cause people, it's nothing worse than a Q and a when people just walking out on mass. Um, <laughs> that wasn't happening. Was it? Yes, it was. All right. I, I don't remember lens talk. I, well, it was, bon- I'm not throwing Ron Scott under the bus. He was, he was mandated. It was a DGC sponsored ah, Q and right, a. Right, so they right. had to talk about, Directory thing, right, so that's right. why lenses kept coming up. We've got, we've got Michael Eklund sitting on stage, not being handed yeah. the mic. Right. If you want to know, what was it like to act? And it's like, <laughs> well, long shots. No, anyway. so that's that's that. That's to fill in any. Um, uh, if this, you're probably cutting this all out. Anyways, <laughs> this is not. Say, this is not going to happen. But the part about Lauren Davis, that's really important. Yes, um, yes. she was so helpful. Cool. All right. Well, thank yeah. you guys for being here. Congratulations. Um, I'm really pumped for you, and I can't wait to see it. I'm, I'm hoping to get into the second screening. And uh, if not, the timing of this release might be with the TELUS. I assume that's got to happen soon with the TELUS on-demand release. I have TELUS. You guys should get TELUS. TELUS has been super supportive of, uh, not you guys, but the uh, the listeners. Go should TELUS. Get TELUS. Uh, super supportive of our community. So yeah. uh, I try to support them as well. So uh, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, anything Matt. anything we should know as far as like social media? Follow us here. Go to the website. What, yeah, all of our social channels are Ice Blue Movie. So okay. at Ice Blue Movie, we have our website, icebluemovie.com. Cool. That's the best place to keep tabs on us, Great. to be perfectly honest. Um, and, and there should be some announcements to come. And cool. we'll probably be releasing some trailers and stuff like that. Awesome. We haven't had a chance yet because we just fil- finished the film like 10 days ago. <laughs> oh, so, wow. all right. yeah. Um, yeah, but you can keep tabs on us there. And nice. Um, we're very fortunate to have received a lot of really great positive press recently. And so there's a lot of stuff coming out about the film. Yes. And so that's the best place to find it. Cool. And, um, and it's been really fantastic and we're really appreciative of all the sport support from everybody. And that includes yourself and Scott Westby. Um, thank you so much. No, no worries. Congratulations. I can be found on Twitter, um, tweeting at Matt Waterworth at Matt Waterworth. I often tweet at Matt so you can find me there. (laughs) Okay, great. You probably can. In fact, yeah, (laughs) I'm going to go tweet something. (laughs) What about you, Sandy? Where, where do we find you online? Oh my gosh. These guys. Hey, (laughs) Sandiva (laughs) at Sandiva. All right. With two V's. Nice. I'm an odd kind of diva. I like it. I like it. I'll say. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. <laughs> With my blue. <laughs> All right. So thanks hey. again to Sandy, Scott, and Jason for joining us uh, on the show. And, of course, to the Calgary International Film Festival for making it Big possible. Um, we've got one more panel uh, discussion uh, on locations, which uh, I attended and is really cool. So that's coming up. But also thanks to Sandy and Scott and Jason for joining us. Yeah, they, uh, giving their time. And they, uh, you know... They, the information they're willing to pass on is just so, yeah. so, so generous, so open. Yeah. yeah. As, as everyone who seems to come on the podcast is, um, so, uh, another yeah. great reason to do the podcast because people want to share this great info and yeah, they don't necessarily um, have an outlet for it. Yeah. Um, and if you ever get a chance in any capacity to see ice blue, buy a ticket, download it on iTunes. I'm for not sure, sure yeah. what the distribution model is going to be. Yeah. Yet, but. I think we touched on the fact that they had some possibilities coming out, but it still hasn't, uh, I don't know what material has made. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Um, keep an, keep an ear open for it. And we'll definitely share it when yeah. the news is available. Okay. Let's get back into the news you can use sponsored by bleeding art industries. Uh, bleeding art industries creates cool with original content, custom props, prosthetics, 
products, equipment, and more. Their eerie stop-motion animated series, Twisted Tales for Demented Children, was launched with the award-winning Skeleton Girl, now available with Chinese subtitles, on Bleeding Arts' YouTube channel, and soon to be translated into Spanish, German, and French. The series continues with a Twisted Tales trailer, now in production. Uh, our city's reputation for innovative animation is on the rise, with Oscar-nominated animers, animators, Calgary Animated Object Society, Quick Draw Animation Society, and Giraffe Animation Fest calling Calgary home. Bleeding Art Industries creates cool animations. Watch for the Twisted Ta- Tales trailer in early 2018. Awesome. So here are some upcoming deadlines. Um, there is a uh, film festival called the uh, Moskers Film Festival. And if you haven't heard of it, it's uh, it's a film festival all about the kind of the Muslim experience. Um, and it takes place, it looks like on the website, it has previously taken place at the uh, Jubilee, which is a cool place for a film festival. Um, and they are looking for someone to join the board of the uh, the 2018 Moskers Film Festival. So um, looking for talented individuals to fill an array of positions for the 2018 year. Um, so please fill out the application on their website. You can you can find the link in our show notes. But being on a board is cool. And if you haven't before, um, I think obviously they're looking for Muslim people who can speak to that Muslim uh, experience. But um, uh, definitely apply because it's a cool uh, uh, experience to learn how a board works oh, if you absolutely. haven't before. Yeah. Um, Fava is, uh, has now put out a call for submissions for their 2018 Awards of Excellence, which celebrates Fava members' work um, at, at just an awesome uh, ceremony and, and a cool you know a cool thing that I'm super jealous of that we don't really have uh, here in Calgary. Um, so the deadline to submit your work is December 7th, uh, right before midnight, uh, and you can submit at fava.submittable.com slash submit. Um, there's a lot of categories that you can submit for, uh, and you should definitely go do that if you've made something in Edmonton this year. The NSI Online Short Film Festival, we, we bring this up every uh, a few times a year. It, it keeps popping up, and it's another wonderful opportunity from the National Screen Institute. Um, this is a great place for a short film that's maybe had its complete life cycle. It's kind of run the film festival circuit, um, and now it's just kind of online. Um, you can still uh, put it in for some awards, um, even if your film uh, you know wasn't just completed. It can be a few years old, I believe. So uh, lots of really cool awards. The a and Short Filmmakers Award uh, is $1,250 and a couple of other cash prizes as well. Um, And there's one specifically for documentary if you're a documentary filmmaker. So check out the online short film festival um, and uh, get get some fresh eyes on your project, uh, if nothing else, and maybe even some prize money. Uh, You can check it out on filmfreeway.com. Uh, CSIF and Imaginative have partnered for the fifth year now to bring uh, the the uh, an Imaginative mentorship program. So uh, the call for submissions or call for applicants is now open. Uh, if you're an emerging Indigenous media art- artist living in Alberta and you have a great idea for a five minute short film that would benefit from professional and creative mentorship. Um, Lots, lots of details about this program, um, but you should definitely check it out at csaf.org. And the call is open until uh, Friday, December 15th, 2017 by 5 p.m. So definitely get your application in uh, and check out more about that. This one's cool, uh, and I'm glad to see it's back. Um, it was uh, it was Lindsay McNeil who first uh, shared it with me or, or pointed it out to me, and 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 uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, and it's back. It is the uh, WIFTV WIFTV um, from our dark side um, contest for scriptwriters. I guess um, it's a national English language contest seeking Canadian women writers uh, with their best genre film ideas. So they're looking for kind of you know horror or thriller or or kind of uh you know something from your dark side so um 
it's a partnership with Creative BC, Super Channel, Telefilm, and Telus, and uh, they're just looking for a three to five page genre film outline by January fifth as a deadline. Um, and if you are selected, you get uh, some incubation process to help move the script forward, um, probably some mentorship. Um, and uh, is there, a, yeah, there's a $500 cash prize as well for five winners who are selected. Um, and you participate in that six-month incubator. Um, that's dope. That is cool. Yeah. That's it, awesome. It, there should be more stuff like this. Uh, yeah. So anyway, yeah, you can find out more. Uh, again, deadline January 5th. Uh, you can find out more at womeninfilm.ca slash national genre concept competition. But there's underscores. Just look at our show notes and you can click the link there to find it. Yes, Absolutely. Uh, so upcoming events, there's now that it's the Christmas season, there's lots of kind of holiday mixtures and stuff uh, going on this month. Uh, and there are two actually that are happening at the same time on Friday, December 8th, which is this Friday. The first is, um, as we spoke about earlier, the Calgary Film Center is having an event called A Wrap on 2017 and a Lens on the Year Ahead. Uh, that is happening from 4 to 7 on Friday. Registration is required, even though it is free, um, but you have to register on the Calgary Film Center website. You can go into events and find out how to do that. Um, there and that is happening of course at the film center which is in southeast Calgary and also happening on Friday December 8th from 6 to 11 p.m. in Edmonton is the ESIO industry holiday mixer and potluck Um, that's happening at the old Ortona Armory uh, in the Ortona room and in Virons I don't know what that means but hopefully that's a room (laughs) that you can go to Maybe don't, around it. Uh, yeah, don't, don't trust me for all the details. Do, do your own homework on this one. I know the Ortona Armory, but I don't know the rooms inside of it. Uh, so it's it's a collection of different organizations um, in the kind of the film world in Edmonton uh, and and Alberta in general. Uh, if you're a member of Actra, Ampia, Amos, a- APA, the uh, the post production association, um, IATSE, AFA, Doc Alberta, Yeg Film, Metro Cinema, Dream Speakers, ESFF. I can't name them all. There's a lot. If you're basically a member of an organization in Edmonton or Alberta uh, that's related to film or animation, you're invited. Um, so it's a potluck. So bring a dish and a salad uh, and something delicious that only you know how to make. Um, Ooh, so- what's your thing? <laughs> what would I make? Uh, mac and cheese. I think. Oh, you make good mac and cheese? No, no. It's oh. just what I can make. I don't, I don't cook, oh. Scott. Do you put like, do you put shit on top of it? Like, <laughs> I should. I should. Yeah. You're, you're taking it in the like, oh, this is a good idea direction. This is. Oh, you're saying I, it's a bad yeah, idea. Yeah. I'm, I just, I'm a bad cook. Oh. Uh, so, <laughs> so yeah, check it out. Uh, it is this, again, this Friday. Um, and now I will pass it over to Scott. Yeah. Just avoid the mac and cheese if there's any there because <laughs> right. it may be Matt's. <laughs> Um, Story Summit registration is now open. So this will be the third annual Story Summit, uh, which is an absolute must-attend event uh, for Alberta filmmakers. Um, and I think there's a focus on actors this year as well. Um, I'm not don't, don't quote me on that, though. Um, but it is happening on March 9th to 11th. It's, it's over a weekend uh, in the BAMP Center for Arts and Creativity. Um, and it addresses new approaches to storytelling innovating with technology and creating sustainable and innovative production and business models of media content. And and I know that's not the sexiest description, but the event is, uh, every single panel always blows my mind. There's, there's amazing speakers last year. They had the, the cinematographer and a camera operator for game of Thrones there. Yeah. Um, which is one of my favorite panels that I've ever attended in my entire life of all time ever. Um, so it's $400 for the weekend, which is giveaway price, uh, for what you get includes lunches and receptions, uh, and your choice of workshops on the Saturday. 
Uh, they also have student summit packages for $175 Canadian. This is crazy, these prices. Uh, or you can $175? Have, yeah, it's oh insane. my God. If you're, if you're if a student, student, you're you, you gotta go. You gotta crazy go. to miss this. You gotta go. Um, <laughs> anyway, so registration is now open. You can check it out at storysummit.ca. Um, I don't know if we have it on here, uh, but uh, there's a new... Um, there's a new uh, communications and uh, membership something or other uh, at the at Ampia, um, and I'm just trying to bring up the email. But I, that, the reason I bring a it up, a person, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he's and his name's Joe Hartfile, and I went to high school with him, oh, and he's awesome. And so I just wanted to say, you know, he'll be working on that event, and uh, and I'm sure we'll meet him there um, as well. Anyone who attends, so uh, welcome, Joe. Yeah, welcome, yeah. Joe. Um, very excited to have him in that position. Sweet. Uh, so, uh, upcoming screenings. What's screening? Yeah, the Calgary uh, Folk Music Festival presents Brown Girl Begins, a block heater film and music event featuring uh, things. Ah, feet? Things. Feet? I don't, I don't know. Uh, anyway, uh, you can check out uh, the show notes for, for uh, a ticket, but Block Heater is presenting this this screening of Brown Girl Begins, a post-apocalyptic, a post-apocalyptic film about a young black woman who's trapped in a world forced upon her. Um, it sounds pretty cool. It's happening, and, it, and it's interesting that it's, uh, that it's being presented by the Folk Fest, um, and it's happening at Festival Hall. Uh, doors are seven, shows at 8 p.m., and it's all ages. And again, you can check out uh, Ticketfly for tickets or our a link in the show notes. Uh, upcoming workshops or classes. The Alberta Foundation for the Arts is hosting a grant writing workshop uh, and it's coming to Calgary, Canmore, and Edmonton. So they're helping you learn to write a better AFA grant application. Um, and it's AFA arts development consultant Jason Flamia. He's traveling to Calgary, uh, to Canmore, and to Edmonton to work with artists who are interested in applying for the individual project funding. Uh, if you've never applied for an AFA grant, you should. Um, and uh, if you have applied for an AFA grant, you should apply again. Uh, and, and either way, you should definitely attend this workshop because I always get so much out of these, even though I have applied. Um, and I, I, I always learn something new every time uh, someone talks to me about this grant because there's just so much to know uh, and so many things that, that you might not have realized are important. Um, but can be absolute game changers. So the, if you don't know about this grant, uh, the individual project grant can provide up to $15,000 to support the development uh, of individual Alberta artists or arts administrators or an ensemble of artists by providing funding for a specific artistic work, training, or marketing. So Jason will be providing tips uh, and other useful information to help you develop your application and increase your chances of success. All workshops are free, but space is limited. Um, so in Canmore, it's happening this Thursday, December 7th from 3 to 4 p.m. at 907 7th Avenue, which is the Arts and Events Boardroom, formerly the Tourism Canmore space. Um, in Calgary, it's also happening on Thursday, December 7th from 7 to 8.30 p.m. at Mount Royal University at Taylor Center for the Performing Arts, room uh, Bella Lobby, room ED 1011. Uh, and in Edmonton, it's happening next week, Tuesday, December 12th from 6.30 to 8 p.m. at the Capitol Arts Building. Uh, to register for any of these, um, email jason.flamia, F-L-A-M-M-I-A, at gov.ab.ca. And I'm sure I butchered his name, so I'm so sorry <laughs> about that. Um, and again, the workshop is free, but space is limited. So definitely uh, register as soon as you can. So uh, we've mentioned it many times, but very quickly, uh, the uh, the CSIF sound recording workshop, it's called Introduction to Location Sound for Film and Video, being instructed by the one and only Alex Mitchell, is happening Saturday, December 9th, that's this weekend, uh, and then Sunday, December 10th from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. It's 190 for members and students and 230 for non-members, and uh, uh, check it out. It's an important topic. Big time. 
there is a crane and remote head workshop being put on by IATSE Local 212 in partnership with William F. White, uh, the ICG 669, the Camera Guild. Uh, they are offering a one-day camera crane and remote head workshop where participants will get the opportunity to work hands-on with this special equipment. It'll be from, one, uh, from 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, Pre-registration is required. Uh, limited to seven participants doing hands-on activities. Obviously, they can't have you know 40 people there or else you won't actually get any time to play with it. Um, so the registration is limited to primary grips with active experience within the last three to five years. Lunch and refreshments will be provided. So there are two one-day classes um, that are separate so you can kind of pick your date. One is running on uh, December 11th and the other is on December 12th. They both start at 10 a.m., uh, they are free and you can find out more or register for these courses at IATSE212.com. And uh, speaking of IATSE workshops, uh, the script formatting and supervising workshop is happening. I, this is the first I can think of recalling. Maybe we've maybe they've done it before and we've talked about it, but uh, this sounds really cool. Um, I didn't know there was a, a script supervisor kind of workshop available here in, in Calgary, but it is. Uh, and you can uh, you can attend uh, on the 17th of December at 9 a.m. And uh, the uh, it's happening, of course, at the IATSE location in their great workshop space. And it's uh, only $25 for members, $45 for permits, and $45 for non-members or, or anyone else. Um, you can check out the show notes for more information, but uh, it's going to give you all the details you need to... Um, cover the you know the introduction to script formatting headers revisions and the role of the script supervisor on set so check that out that's cool sweet uh what is shooting in alberta right now matt so we've got tin star coming up uh in february so that's in pre-production and uh of course project lab funded uh, calgary film center uh program funded circle of steel uh is shooting right now uh they wrap on december 8th and of course the uh cyborgs the 100k winner um, of the recent Story Hive 100K um, right. yeah, yeah. group um, is shooting right now as well. Um, as well as, I'm sure, a ton of other Story Hive yes, web series yes. pilots, uh, which you were on this weekend. Totally, yeah. This, this past go? weekend, the, the, the Parent Council was fantastic. Um, really enjoyed uh, the whole experience. was really awesome. Looking forward to seeing how it turns out. And um, That's my job. <laughs> <laughs> and, and let us know uh, if you have something shooting. We'd love to share the news about it. Um, and... Uh, and talk about it. Yeah, it works if you're looking for crew too. Um, Absolutely, let us yeah, know. Yeah. We can we can kind of put the word out uh, as well. Uh, no job calls this week that we are aware of, but if you have any, please do let us know. Uh, let's move on to the recommendations portion of the podcast. Sure, let's do that. Uh, you you said you've got something. Do you want me to go first? No, I want to go first. Oh, you want to go I feel like oh. yours is going to be better. Oh, okay, um, no pressure, but. So uh, just pulling back the curtain a little bit on some of the, uh, the secret sauce that helps us in our video production world um, is just templates. I know it sounds so silly, but um, we use the shit out of templates. Um, it saves a lot of time. I was doing a video, cutting a video over the weekend, and I needed a, a flip counter because I wanted to have like a game show style scoreboard. Right. And so I was thinking to myself, <laughs> I could spend, you know, an hour in After Effects making sure that I've got this figured out. Um, or I can just buy this flip counter template for like 10 bucks um, and save everyone a lot of time and money. Uh, 
so they're nothing to be uh, ashamed of. And they're also a great way to learn After Effects. If you don't know how to use After Effects, download some templates and you yeah. can kind of That's deconstruct them and reverse engineer them and figure out how they did those things. That's how I taught myself After Effects. It's a good point. Yeah. Um, so we get a lot of ours from a website called Video Hive. Uh, I think it's videohive.net. Let me just make sure. Yeah, videohive.net. Um, and there's a ton of different stuff uh, that you should check out. Um, there's over 530,000 video effects and stock footage uh, things that you can look at. So um, yeah, check that website out. See if you can... Uh, download something and play with it it'll add a lot of production value to your video for uh for very little money nice uh i'm gonna recommend uh, a book and i'm gonna show it to you because this is a podcast mm. and oh i'm looking audience, at it right now <laughs> the audience oh, can see it, it is it's hardcover it is a hardcover of mm. independent ed by edward burns and i obviously uh, if you've listened to the whole podcast you will know that uh scott was talking about the book uh for quite a little while um and i haven't finished it yet but it's uh it's awesome uh, like he says it's a very very cool read about you know how uh, a, a kid from new york uh, broke into the film industry as an actor and a writer and a director so um and 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 specifically like scott says about shooting on a micro 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 budget um so yeah check it out um i actually to be honest with you i picked it up on amazon for i think a total of three dollars what so uh, used of course but uh but it's it's great it's all i need i don't need it to be in great shape so check out amazon sometimes there's some amazing deals from you know resellers or used booksellers or whatever it is so uh yeah that's all for us hooray um except for a new sponsor we should mention yes very excited about this one appa joining uh the group of season-long sponsors the alberta post-production association of alberta we'll get that Just right the alberta post-production association <laughs> yeah. Yeah. uh and they're uh they're fantastic for joining us so uh thanks to them um Thanks, of course, to Briar, as always, for putting the news together, uh, for Chad Blaine, who wrote the music for uh, the podcast this season, and to Britt Clark, who designed uh, the artwork for this season. Yes. And if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast is for you. It's about you. So if you uh, share with us what's going on in your world, in your community, in your projects, uh, we would love to uh, share it with uh, the rest of our, our listenership. So uh, hit us up with any info, with any uh, information about projects and things that you have going on, um, workshops. Uh, we'd love to you know beef up uh, uh, so we have every little, you know, I keep hearing about little things we don't know about. Yeah. We'd love to capture it all. So uh, let us know by uh, by getting in touch with us. How can they do that? Well, they can uh, find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram um, at AB Filmcast is our ta- tag name tag mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tag name <laughs> social media name tag uh, or they can reach us of course at hello at ebfilmcast.ca we do answer that email and because we are committing to a, an episode every week um, you can let us know if something's coming up you know in a couple weeks and we'll make sure to include it on, on the episode that needs it so um, absolutely yeah please do reach out um, so yeah here's a here's a word from our final sponsor uh, and after you hear that go, go make, make something, something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.